I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly... Uh, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Okay. Hi. Well, hello. Welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And hello to all of you out there. Hello. We're at my house where my dog just threw up. She did. Nobody needs to know this in podcast world. Well, we're telling them. But I tell you, I said, this is a real professional operation. <laughs> Dogs barfing in the middle of the show. Just out of the corner of my eye, I saw her start to heave. And I was like, oh no, I think she's about to throw up. And then... And then she did. And then she did. Just so, a little, little Lucy-sized puke. This is just a little bit of color if you ever want to know what's going on <laughs> behind the scenes of this podcast. <laughs> it's that occasionally one of our dogs is vomiting. Or barking hysterically at the male person. There's a lot of dog drama behind the scenes well, of Forever we, 35. You know, we happen to have two very dramatic dogs. <laughs> we do. so But we love them. We do. Dory, <sighs> speaking of dramatic dogs... How was your week? 
Have you been dog training old Bobo? Well, yes, sort of. Um, we did some training yesterday in anticipation of our trainer coming today. And then she canceled this morning because she wasn't feeling well. Oh, all that for nothing. So I was actually a little relieved because I feel like we could have done a lot more this week and we didn't. I, and then I did email her and I said, feel better. But also, could you send us like... <laughs> help like i feel like we need more of like an agenda like she gives us all this stuff to do it's like muzzle training gate training relaxation pro- like all this stuff and i'm like i can't tell what's important like the most important i can't tell how often we should be doing this like uh, help <laughs> so I feel like we just need to know like, okay, you know what? You should be doing this exercise every day. This one you should be doing three times a week for 10 minutes. Like I just, I need it spelled out for me. How is this all playing into how you're feeling as you progress in your pregnancy? Mm. How have you been feeling this week about things? A little overwhelmed. Not going to lie. Don't lie. Yeah. Um, Just like the dog stuff on top of everything else. It's just sort of like, oh, 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 oh God. Okay. Right. Like, how is this all going to go? How is this all going to go? Um, yeah, it's a real question mark. Then we, then I was also yesterday, I said to Matt, like, we, we need to figure out, like, if I go into labor in the middle of the night, like, what happens to Bo? Someone needs to pick him up in the morning, like, take him to the chateau where he goes to daycare. Um, who's that person? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's you just need an like, on-call dog person. Right. And so we could ask our dog walker, is that something she'd be willing to do? I don't know. Kate is giving me a... <laughs> you could ask me. I could ask you. I might be able to do it. Yeah. It's just, it's like, is he going to be freaking out because I went to labor? He might. He's going to smell that shit, yeah, He's going to be like, what the hell is happening? My cat could totally tell. So I'm a little worried about that but then also like am i am i creating things for me to get worried about i mean it's probably a little bit of both i mean yeah. you're just being proactive but also you don't you want to be prepared for the worst case totally. scenario i think is what you're feeling um i've also been very weepy go on i feel like these pregnancy hormones are like really kicking in they're they're in there huh? they're in there and just like everything's setting me off yeah we watched black panther on saturday night which i'd somehow never seen Cause I don't, I don't see a lot of superhero movies, but I was finally like, I, I really want to watch Black Panther. And I cried at the end, spoil alert, when Killmonger dies. Oh, it's sad. Yeah, it is sad. He never had a chance in life. You I know? don't know if I cried at the end. Matt was like, are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's sad. Okay. <laughs> So there's that then well and before that we are watching tidying up with Marie Kondo and there's an episode of that show that focuses on a woman who is a widow and they did a close-up of like this note her husband had left her and I just started crying and I was like I can't watch this <laughs> that was in the first like 30 seconds of the episode <laughs> So there was that. Then I definitely, there was some, I was reading a book that like wasn't a sad book, but I started crying. <laughs> like 50 shades of gray. 
uh, <laughs> no, why would you say that? I'm just trying to think of a book where you wouldn't cry. No, I think I was reading, I think I was reading like one of my ton of French mystery books. And something made you cry. And something made me cry. And I was like, mm. and then I also, um, Matt and I got in a fight and I started crying. Like I sometimes will start to cry in fights, but not often. I remember I was pregnant when I was pregnant with Lydia, my second child, having a full on hysterical meltdown over like our Christmas travel plans, uh-huh, uh-huh. where I just ended up on my knees wailing in the middle of our living room and my and like scaring my toddler. Oh, but it was just and it was something I sh- I in other circumstances would have been able to just process without an emotional yeah, outburst, totally. but it was so, I think you're, the hormones are kicking in, but also just like you're, like you're just tired and you feel yeah. different and it, yeah. everything is just hard. Yeah. So that's been my last week. Okay. Just a lot of weepiness. I, that's okay. I welcome the weepy. <laughs> Thank you. I took a pregnancy workout class. Now what goes into that? So it was interesting. It was taught by this woman who is sort of like a, fitness influencer like an instagram star i guess i didn't i didn't know who she was someone tagged me in one of her posts and then it turned out she was doing a pop-up baby bump class at my gym story i have a lot of thoughts about this so i was like okay she then i googled her later and she is a former rockette cool (laughs) she was very fit and 21 weeks pregnant and like you know one of those people who's like oh you like I, my stomach isn't as flat as yours when I'm not pregnant. Yes, yes, yes. You know those yes, people. I do know those people. Yeah. Yep. Um, More power so to them. it was a pretty intense class. She had a there was there was a lot of discussion about how childbirth is very um, strenuous. We need to prepare our bodies for it. You know, I I will say I don't think she's wrong. No, it was hard. It's hard physical labor. Totally. She was basically like, it's hard physical labor. You could be in labor for like forty hours. Yeah. <laughs> like it's tough. And then you know you'll be lifting the baby and blah blah blah. So, um, that was fun and definitely made me be like, do I need to step it up? No, you're doing great. Oh, Just where you are. You, okay. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah. So that. That's been happening. So you might say you're in your feelings this week. I would say that. Okay. I am in my feelings this week. Are you in your feelings? I'm kind of riding high on foam rolling and my personal sleep training practice, which when I tell people, they're like, you're doing, you're doing what to yourself? And I'm Uh like, I'm sleep training myself, Uh but I am into it. Okay. Go on. I am on fire. What time are you getting up? these days 5 30 okay does that seem to be like the time or do you want to go even earlier i want it to be five but in order for it to be five i think i need to be like asleep at 10 and i'm not sure i'm gonna get there 5 30 is plenty early it feels awesome now i didn't do it this morning and the first thing my husband said to me was like no early rising today it's like okay (laughs) it's been just like a week of this Layoff, but I had gone to bed um, at 11 p.m. and okay. I just knew, like, rather than set myself up for like failure and also tiredness, I was like, tomorrow's not going to be one of the days, but tonight I'll be back on track. Great. And I have been foam rolling morning and night, Ooh. and that is feeling fantastic. Oh, good. Like, your just, back feels better? 
my back feels so much better. My body as a whole feels better. And Mm -hmm. it's also, I'm finding it very calming. Mm. Like I'll foam roll and then I'll just do some very simple stretching and very basic yoga poses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just great. Good. I just, it feels really good. And I've only been like consistent about it for like five days in a row, but that's more like something about the foam rolling feels a lot more manageable than like a yoga practice at night. Totally. I'm just like getting in my pajamas with no bra rolling around on this thing. Sounds great. It's wonderful. Um, So that's just something I've been working on. Another thing I've been doing is just focusing on my meal planning, which Mm -hmm. I'm doing again this week. So there are a couple things that are just kind of making me feel like a little more grounded and Mm -hmm. less um, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, A listener did reach out to me and ask for an update because one of my New Year's resolutions was only buying secondhand clothes for the year. Yes. How's that going? Well, so far, well, I did also set a guideline that for the month of January, I would not buy any clothes or shoes. Nothing secondhand or period. Nothing period. And that has gone well. Great. And it's been really interesting to like have the urge to reach to purchase something. Yeah. And knowing that I, I quote unquote, cannot do that. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, it's been interesting because social media advertising is so pervasive Yes. It makes me want new things constantly. So I've just been kind of noticing. Mm, you're more mindful. I, yeah, I'm more mindful. I am. Now, will I break this pledge? Possibly. For example, do I want a chunky sneaker? This has been an ongoing theme for quite some time. God, I, I feel like it all started when you were in New York with your family. And there were chunky sneakers. And there were chunky sneakers on the streets of New York City. <laughs> there were chunky sneakers everywhere. And it was like a shock to the system. Mm-hmm, it was like, mm-hmm. we all decided this is where we're going with fashion. What's so interesting to me about this, <sighs> if I may. Yep. Please, is, I analyze it. It's it's just one trend of many that's happening right now. I know. And for some reason you have kind of fixated on this particular trend. And I'm wondering why, you know why? Because I have a very vivid memory of studying abroad. And when I, I studied abroad in South Africa and when we, this is such a boring story that means nothing, but the first like day in South Africa, going to a mall in Johannesburg and everybody was in chunky sneakers. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, people are so much cooler here like and it being like a tr- very big trend yeah like they everyone looked like had like spice girl feet you know what i mean yeah, i do you know in the like um why can't i remember the name of the song if you want to be my lover mm-hmm. you gotta what well, you know what the song i'm yeah. talking about they're all in big ass chunky sneaks mm-hmm. that's what everyone looked like in south africa they all looked so cool and did you end up getting a pair i did uh, I did have like some platform sneakers, some okay. Delia's esque sneakers. Uh-huh. I had I had a pair of like wedge sneakers. Yeah, yeah. I think we all did in nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So, what's happening is at first I was horrified, and now I'm seeing them more, and they're be- starting to become cool. I feel like I'm experiencing like a black. It's like a Black Mirror episode. Like I was at a children's birthday party, and a mom showed up in chunky sneakers, and I wanted them. Now, the thing is, I told myself I can't buy any new clothes for the year. And I don't, am I going to find old chunky sneakers? Seems or, unlikely because they're new. Yes. But which maybe is probably good because then I'll avoid getting yeah. on this chunky sneaker. I think I, I bet you could find some on eBay if you really sure, wanted to. And maybe even like vintage. Yeah. But also the thing is, is that I do think it's a trend that's going to pass quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I'm like horrified by it, but now I'm starting to like it. Yes. And I also just think I can not participate. 
But okay. I realize I've already talked about this on this podcast. Chunky sneakers are haunting me. Well, you know, maybe that's a sign. Like, I do think that there's something to the idea of something that you get really into and then you stay into it. Like, it's not like you forgot about the chunky sneakers. Well, you know, I saw Busy Phillips it's, and chunky sneakers. About I it. have. I also think what's happening is like I'm starting. Well, what is happening is like at first it was like the Kendall Jenners of the world. Mm-hmm. But now like the influencer moms are in chunky sneakers. Okay. Eva Chen always in a chunky sneaker. Yes. I wish I'd asked her about it. I mean. And then what's happening is now I'm seeing people just walking down the street in the chunky sneakers. So soon, like my stepmom will be in them. That would be quite a sight. <laughs> then we will have jumped. Sammy, you going to wear chunky sneakers? Sammy is saying, no, no. Okay. Just Lane, gonna, how like, about you? No. Okay. okay. Those are two young people both saying no to the chunky sneaker trend. Anyway, you can see I'm consumed by this. <laughs> I apologize for wasting so much of your time panicking about sneakers, but that's where I'm, I'm at. Just observing trends and thinking yeah. about if I want to participate as a thing. Thing I'm doing. There you go, Dory. That's where I'm at. Okay. Weeping and sneakers. Weeping and sneakers. That's where we are this week. <laughs> um, on that note. On that note. Let's take a break. Okay. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get or, into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just <laughs> going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. That's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst now you don't have to worry about it. 
Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, This is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from Quince. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And 
The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. So Dory, uh, a few episodes ago, we discussed organization. We sure did. And I have been touched by the amount of responses we've received. Yes. A lot of people have been sharing their methods with us. Thank you. They have suggestions for us. Tips. Tips. Tips and tricks. Tips and tricks. Uh, And I will say the dominant one has been Google Keep. Have you tried it yet? I use Google Keep but not in the way many listeners have suggested. Aha. Mm-hmm. Go on. Can we can we tell everyone what Google Keep is? It's an app where you can kind of make like lists and post-it notes and and you can color organize things. It's almost like if you took that um like post-it app on an Apple computer oh, yeah. and morphed it into something a little more specific, mm-hmm. you would get Google Keep. Now I still find ye old Wonderlist app to be my favorite go-to okay. for list making. Does Wonderlist integrate with your calendar? I don't think so, but I don't know. Okay. And I'm also not paying for a pro version. I see. Because I do think that's something that the people who love Google Keep, the, the Keep heads, the if keep you heads. will, um, like that you can integrate it with Google Calendar if you yes. use Google Calendar. I um it's almost Google Keep is almost too much for me. Okay. But what I am using it for, because what I was hungry for was a place for when I have an idea about my projects that I'm writing, mm. where do I go to jot down those ideas? And yeah. I have been using Google Keep for that. Well, we got a voicemail about it. We did. So let's play this first little bit of listener advice. Great. Kate and Dory, love the podcast. I'm listening to the episode about organizing and how you guys manage uh, to stay organized. And I heard you guys complaining that Gmail doesn't have folders and they have the labels. I turn on the labs uh, nesting labels and they work just like folders. So um, I have a bigger category and subcategories for that. And it seems to work beautifully. And I can even sort them by year or whatever sort of like folders and files uh, you need. Also, may I suggest the Google Keep as a list-making um, tool? You may. It's great. It looks good on your phone. Um, you can take pictures as part of your list. You can swipe them away. You, there's checkbox. But it's very satisfying because I'm a paper list person, but it's kind of moving onto the digital world. And in fact, my Android phone, I uh, have it set up so when I say, okay, Google, take a note in my car, I have this thought, um, it goes directly into the Keep. Um, and it also makes audio notes. It's brilliant. Um, so Google Keep and the nesting labels, um, they keep me organized. Well, anyways, ladies, um, enjoying listening to the podcast and keep on keeping on. Have a great one. Bye. 
I may give it a shot. I I think it's an interesting app. It it doesn't totally do what I need, but yeah. I don't think anything does. Right. Because I'm picky in particular. Sure. As you um, should be. Well, thank you. And I, I wanted to just backtrack to the comment about Gmail. I do think we maybe were mistaken that Gmail doesn't have like technically have folders. But I, it's not, you know, it doesn't have folders in the way that I think about folders. Like an out Microsoft Outlook has folders where you can drag yes. to a physical yes, folder. to a folder and then it disappears from your inbox. Yes, that is what I'm envisioning yes. also. So please, can you make that for us? Yeah. I, I remember reading years ago that Gmail deliberately did not make folders how could they do this to us? This was like a thing that they decided that people were not going to use folders anymore, that they were going to use labels. Because we do actually in our shared Forever 35 email account, we use the nesting labels. We do labels. Yeah, because we have to. Because there are no folders. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is this Forever 35 is now called Forever Folders. <laughs> and <laughs> every episode. Who do I have to talk to to get some Fucking folders in my Gmail. I mean, Jesus Christ, is it too much to ask? She has pregnancy <laughs> hormones. This isn't pregnancy hormones. <laughs> this is just folder hormones. <laughs> oh, boy. Hmm. Anyway. Well, we did receive. But anyway, Google Keep, a fan favorite. Here's here's another. I'm give it a shot. Try, I would love to know what you think of it. Because listen, a listener wrote us this. Uh, I'm in the middle of listening to Ep56 and had an app suggestion for keeping personal lists. I'm a total list maker at heart and relate to the struggle of wanting to have them all visible in one place. Not sure if you've tried this one, but I found Google Keep to be quite useful. You can make separate lists and notes and color code them. You can see them all at one time on your screen. There's also the option to pin the most important list to the top. I personally keep a mixture of to-do, buy lists, and a brain dump of things or web links I want to look at later. Hope this helps. This sounds a little bit like Evernote. It does. Which I never fully mastered. Me neither. It was like just too complicated. And then I was like, I'm not going to use this. I will say for what um, I don't like the notes app on my iPhone that mm -hmm. comes with the iPhone. But it's good for apologies. Like if you're writing an apology you're and like posting it on Instagram. Person. Yeah. And but you need to write an apology. I would like to see the celebrity who writes the apology in in Google Keep, because I think you could do it there, too. Here was another email we received, Dory. Okay. It says, Kate asked for a to-do list suggestion. Here is my suggestion. I do paper list once a day. I break it down as follows. Must do, could do, want to do. This helps me prioritize items. It also keeps things on the list that I don't want to forget about, but are not immediately needed. And then I take a picture on my phone so I can carry it everywhere. I just find that apps are never exactly what I want. I have a hard time with the paper lists. Yeah. So I, as you know, I make a, I make a list every night before I go to bed. And when, when this email came in, I was like, that's interesting. Maybe I'll try that. So I tried it. I didn't love it. Well, don't you need to do something for like 21 days before, for it to become a habit? Yeah. But I wasn't even trying. I was, I was just like seeing if I, yeah. if I liked it. I don't know that I like it. I a don't know. Another Maybe I need a bigger notepad. I don't know if that's the trick because I have mm. bought so many different notebooks and planners over the yeah. year just thinking, oh, in this size, it'll work. And it's ne it's just oh, not. I the just use like a like an old BuzzFeed notepad. Right. Like a journalist's. It's not pad. even that. It's like a it's one that the pages just tear off. It's not spiral bound. Oh, yeah. It's like not anything. But that's your system. Fancy. That is my system. It mostly works. 
I don't think any organizational system is foolproof either. Nobody is at 100% with any of this stuff, right? I would hope. I guess. I mean, my sister did tweet today that her three-year-old announced that she had a to-do list. (laughs) And one of the items on the list was a conference call. Okay, I asked I asked Karen who the conference call was with and she said her ducky. Oh, that's important business. Yeah. So you know. I do love when a three year old is has their <laughs> shit figured out and I'm almost totally. forty and can't figure out how to keep a list. That's a humbling feeling. <sighs> Dory, a high school teacher wrote to us. They said that they live and breathe by my planner. Mm-hmm. If I don't write something down, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, I here's, hear you. here's a repeat. Recently, I started writing a two-column to-do list. Mm. One side says must do, and the other side said, says should mm-hmm. do. If I absolutely need to take care of something that day, it goes on must do. If I would like to get it done, but it isn't crucial, it goes on should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll give this another shot. Maybe I think must do and should do are a little more accessible to me than must do, could do, and want to do. That seems just like too many categories. Well, also, you could come up with your own names for oh, these. Oh, you know what? I could. And I should. Like, you know. I'll put that on the list. Dorify them. <laughs> yeah, I'll dorify them. I'm trying to think of how I do it. I, I just keep everything in one major yeah. giant list. And I wish if I broke it up separately that it would help, but it it just makes me forget things. The other thing, and I think I mentioned this when we were talking about this, but the other thing I have started to do on this nightly list is I am writing down what I plan on eating for each meal. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Not like a, not like a diet or calorie way just to plan. So I so so I can just I I hate when I would get to meal time and be like ah oh, what am I eating I hate that that's why meal planning has been such yeah, a it's joy the worst feeling so that has actually been really helpful because I can kind of think about it ahead of time I can think about whether I need to go to the grocery store yeah. um, make sure you're getting enough protein enough carbs make enough sure fats. I'm getting all those things and then also like every so often I'm trying to cook more at home but every so often I'll put in like a takeout meal. Sure. Because I planned for it and that feels better. I did wake up this morning and was like, I have no idea what I've planned for dinner. And then I checked my little oh, amazing. meal plan and I was like, oh, right. Paprika chicken and green beans. Ooh. Uh-huh. America's Test Kitchen, baby. Oh, yeah. We can talk more about that. I love later. it. Later. So uh, I, I think what we've come to is that our audience listeners are excellent list makers. Wait, and this teacher also says that she makes lists for the week, but it also works for monthly or daily lists. I like that. Mm -hmm. We did get an email recently from someone who asked if I had tried bullet journaling. And I just want to say like, (laughs) yes, and failed at it. Yeah. And it didn't work for me. So many times. Yeah. And I love the idea of bullet journaling. And I wish I could be a person who was into bullet journaling. Yeah. But at some point I came to realize that I'm just sadly not that person. Same. Uh, but I do love hearing people's how they organize. Yeah, me too. So please keep zapping us. Our guest today is Allison Roman. Welcome, Allison, to the podcast. Woo-hoo. Hello. Hi. Hello. Happy to be here. Yay. <laughs> um, I'm going to read a short bio. Allison Roman is the author of the best-selling cookbook, Dining In. While she works on her second cookbook due October 2019, she stays busy as a bi-weekly columnist for the New York Times cooking section, as well as a monthly contributor to Bon Appetit magazine. Originally from LA, she lives in Brooklyn until she decides to move upstate like everyone else. 
Um, Allison, we are so thrilled to have you on the show. Your cookbook comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. We love it. And um, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Dory was letting me look at hers and she was like, it might be a little grimy <laughs> because it has been used and loved. It's true. <laughs> as, a cook, as a cookbook should look. Yeah, exactly. You don't want a pristine cookbook. That was the idea. I, I think like the more messed up it looks, the more you love it. And it's, it's a good time. So I'm here for that. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of get started, started. I know you, you've talked about this and you talk about it in your book, but could you kind of walk us through your cooking journey? Oh my God. What a journey. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I have told the story a million times, but I really haven't. I, I feel like a lot of people think that I kind of came out of nowhere that like I had a blog or something, but I didn't, I did never, I never had a blog. Um, but I, I pretty much only ever cooked. So it feels kind of like less of a journey and like a very, just long trip, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I kind of left college early, um, AKA I did not graduate, um, just to kind of start working in restaurants because I became obsessed with cookbooks and cooking and knew that if I was going to do that professionally, um, I was like, Oh, well, I should go to culinary school. And that means I can't go to college because <laughs> they're mutually exclusive. And, I went and I spoke to a chef at this restaurant that I really loved. And I told him that I was going to go to culinary school. And if he had any advice for me and and his advice was don't go, don't go to culinary school. So I didn't. Mm. And I ended up working for him for a few years. Um, This was in Los Angeles where I'm from. And from there, I kind of, I was there for about two years and he, you know, really patiently kind of taught me everything that I knew about about cooking really, but I, I worked pastry. I did like the pastry department mm. at this very small sort of like tasting menu restaurant. Um, and, and after that, um, I moved to San Francisco. I, I continued to work in restaurants there again, doing mostly pastry, but in every pastry kitchen that I worked at, it was very fluid in terms of like the information passed back and forth of, of other cooking and other types of cooking. And, um, you know, asking other cooks what they were doing and how they were doing it. And I feel like I learned a lot that way. And so I was in San Francisco for about four years um, and then decided to move to New York sort of for a few months and ended up never moving back to California. That was almost <laughs> 10 years ago. So I was like, oh, I'll go for three for three months and then I'll move back to San Francisco. Um, and then about a month and a half into living in New York, I was working for Christina Tosi at Momofuku Milk Bar. Mm. That's sort of like a, in my, in my opinion at the time was like a day job, you know, like I didn't want to work in restaurants anymore. So that was a really great way for me to like get a paycheck and work with cool people. What did you think you were moving to New York to do? I had no idea. I, I basically was like, I have to get out of restaurants. Restaurants were just no longer a sustainable option for me. It had been about seven years. And I, even though I was young, I was burnt out. I was like, just the hours are insane and the lifestyle is crazy. And like, I didn't have a life outside of cooking. And I think it kind of occurred to me that I eventually would, you know, have other interests, you know, other than like working service every day in a restaurant. And um, so, you know, I was like, Oh, well, I'll move, I'll move to New York for a few months, just like see what's out there. But really my idea, once I realized I wanted to stay was that I was going to figure out a way to work in food, but not in a restaurant. And so again, mm-hmm. that was kind of like milk bar was a good middle ground because it wasn't really a restaurant. It was a bakery and I had my nights free and I was still able to make desserts for like co and noodle bar and sambar. And so that was cool. 
Um, and then eventually, you know, like a year and a half into it, I was like, wait, I am still working really at a restaurant. <laughs> right. And so I was like, wait, what am I doing? Um, I, I kind of got swept up in it. It was right when Mopar opened. It was a very exciting time. And, um, but I had to kind of like recalibrate why I, I moved to New York. And yeah. so then kind of just started looking for, you know, anything that was out there. I didn't know what it was. It was such a different time. This was like maybe eight years ago now. And so like Instagram definitely wasn't a thing. And even, you know, I had a flip phone, like there was not like yeah. the internet as it is now, which that makes me sound like a thousand years old, but, um, it just, there wasn't like, I didn't know what a food stylist was. I didn't know what a blog even was. I didn't know that there, you know, I, they're just, the information wasn't readily available in terms of like, Oh, there are other jobs and careers out there that exist around food. And then what brought you to Bon Appetit? So around that time when I left, I kind of had all these like really crazy odd jobs. Um, I like would do anything. I, I was working part time at Pies and Thighs, which is that like chicken mm-hmm. um, restaurant. For those that don't know, it's a great <laughs> uh, chicken restaurant. Or they do more than chicken, but it's, it's just a really great place owned by some really lovely women. And I, I had met them through Milk Bar, through the people there. And so... I quit my job at Milk Bar and I, I reached out to one of the owners at Pies and Thighs and I was like, do you guys have any part-time work that I can do? And they're like, we think you're a little overqualified, but do you want to just make biscuits all day? And I was like, absolutely I do. <laughs> um, it was just like, oh, I had gone from this kind of high stress pressure, like managerial restauranty role to making biscuits for eight hours a day. It was heaven. It was just like, uh, it was like completely what I needed. And it was a really great, um, job that let me focus on other things. So I could send emails to people and kind of take meetings and whatever that meant. I didn't even know what a meeting was, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm still not sure I do still, but, um, yeah, I, I like reached out to some people and I met this woman, Helen Holliman through again, the milk bar people. And she had done some work at Saver and one of their old food editors, I think, at Saver had just gotten the job as a food editor at Bon Appetit and he was looking for people in the test kitchen. I didn't even know what a test kitchen was, but I lied and said that I did. I was like, oh yeah, I love a test kitchen. <laughs> and, and she she like got me an interview with him because I just was kind of, I remember we were um, having drinks one night and I was like, you know, if you know of anything, I don't even know what to ask for. But like, if you hear of any job that's in food that's not a restaurant, let me know. And so she connected me with this guy, Hunter, and I went in for an interview, um, which still like burned into my brain as the most embarrassing like few hours of my life. It was is the old Connie Nass building, um, up in times square. And it was my first time ever in like a real office building. I had pretty much gone from high school to working in restaurants, which means like, I just never learned how to dress for like an office type environment. Hmm. Not that I was that interested in it anyway, obviously. Um, but I wore like what I thought was an outfit that I should wear to an <laughs> office meeting. And Please it was just describe like, it in detail. Hell. Um, well, it definitely involved like a purple-ish silk top tucked into a black pencil skirt that was did not fit me at all. Um, <laughs> probably tights. I, I don't know. There was there was there was like no 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 unfortunate blazers, but it was definitely like the whole Luke. It was like I had um, like played dress up in somebody else's closet, and I was 
just did not look like me. It was mortifying. But it was also like you step into the Condé Nast elevators and you're in there with like editors from Vogue and like people from the New Yorker. And I just wanted to die immediately. I was like, I cannot come into work in this building every day. Like I, like I felt, I felt like so out of my league. It was really terrifying. Um, but anyway, yeah, he was like, Oh, have you tested recipes before? I was like, absolutely. I had not. Um, but I knew how to cook and I knew what a recipe was. <laughs> and so kind of without totally bullface lying, like indicated that I would be willing to learn anything I needed to, but had like a good understanding. Um, and just kind of said yes to everything he asked me like blindly and <laughs> he invited me back. And so I eventually kind of got this freelance position there. And then that turned into a full-time position because I just wouldn't leave the building. Basically. I was like, you cannot bring me out of this building. I will come into work whether you ask me to or not. It was, <laughs> it was true. Like they'd be like, I thought you weren't here Fridays. I was like, Oh, well, you know, I just had some loose ends to tie up. And then because I was there, they would give me more work. And I feel like I tricked them into giving me work um, that I could get paid for and then support myself with. So um, yeah, I, I love, I realize you're not giving this as advice, but I've definitely had moments in my career where I have uh, not lied, but like assured them <laughs> that I could do something and then gone and figured it out later. And I, I, I love that you mentioned that you did that because I think so many of us are not inclined to kind of boldly oh, yeah. and like kind of blindly and confidently, um, push for ourselves in that way. I, I, it's, yeah. it's, again, I'm not encouraging anyone, anyone to lie. Neither are you, but you, you know what I'm saying, right? Dory? Like, yeah. Well, I once, um, I went, I went to an inter a live podcast with Nisi Nash, your favorite, my favorite. And she told this story <laughs> about when they called her to audition for Reno 911. They asked her if she knew sketch comedy, like if she knew how to do sketch comedy or had experience. And she was like, Oh yeah, totally. She didn't even know what sketch was. <laughs> yeah and like she Googling. just yeah she just like walked in and kind of like winged it and because she's so talented she was able to do it but yeah. she didn't she was like i had no idea <laughs> i definitely yeah have done i told a, a future boss i could do photoshop and then i got the job and then i went and taught myself photoshop secretly before i started yeah so <laughs> i mean that's as good as knowing it when they ask to be honest thank I mean, you <laughs> as long as you know it before you get there i feel like that's all that matters was there a learning curve think, for you allison oh, like when you got God, there yeah yeah. I mean, I feel like any, any job I've taken on since then still now there's a learning curve. Um, but that was no exception for sure. I, I did, had no idea what I was doing and I asked a million questions. I made so many people's lives absolute hell probably with like the amount of things that I would mess up or just being like, I know you said this already, but can you repeat yourself for the 18th time? Cause I was <laughs> half listening. Um, or I was trying to listen to too many things at once and I didn't write it down. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I luckily was working with a bunch of people there that were extremely patient with me and um, very encouraging. Not not everyone, but like for the most part, it was a really great place to be because I think they could tell I really wanted to be there. And it was kind of like not like I was like a charity case, but it was like, oh, she really wants to be here and she really wants to learn. It was kind of challenging to always be annoyed with me, even if I, I did make them repeat themselves and, and answer a million questions all the time. But you know, I, I find like, I'd rather be that person than the person who didn't ask the questions and then didn't know and then failed because yeah. of it. So I was like, well, I better just, you know, really be all up in there. 
Um, and and that's going to be a question, but definitely a learning curve. It was such a different environment than working in a restaurant and and testing recipes and then developing recipes is a different experience than just cooking on your own, you know, either in a restaurant or for yourself at home. It's just like a completely different beast and learning the ins and outs of like that particular magazine. And like then the whole sort of editorial side was a complete mindfuck because I I had studied creative writing in college. I, I still was writing in my free time, but my grammar is terrible. I like could not write for shit. And it was <laughs> really, really a bummer. Cause I like found myself at this magazine and was like, Oh my God, what am I doing here? Like, I can't write. I don't have good grammar. Like I can, I don't even know what a, I don't know what an M dash is or how to use it. Like I kind of did, but I misused it all the time. I still do still have a hard time with that one. Um, and I just, it, I was in way over my head. It was like, I had a hard time for sure, but I, I loved it so much that it didn't really matter. I was just like, well, this is going to be hard until it's not. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the first recipe that you developed like totally on your own? Huh. For the magazine? I, I don't, well, actually I do. It was, it was the first recipe that I, that like basically got me the job there, I think. And I tell the story in, in dining in, but it's like a hilariously like, almost like a too earnest story. It's so unlike me, but it really was like a magical story. <laughs> and it was like, they, I came in and they knew I had a baking background and they were like, okay, well we have a, we have a problem. And that's, we have a, a photo of an, of a biscuit that was shot on location at this photo shoot. But the recipe that is accompanying this biscuit does not match. Like this biscuit, when <laughs> oh we, gosh. when we follow this recipe, it doesn't make this biscuit. It makes like a completely other biscuit. And like, we can't publish this recipe. Can you, basically reverse engineer this oh recipe. wow like, like okay. make a biscuit that looks like this biscuit and i was like got it no problem and <laughs> oh but i mean God. literally literally i had just spent like eight months making biscuits at a biscuit restaurant restaurant so i was like what are the odds that like they asked me to make a biscuit and that is the one thing i am extremely confident in knowing how to do um, so I did it. I mean, I, I kind of was like, okay, is this a cream biscuit or a buttermilk biscuit? Is it a drop biscuit or a laminated biscuit? You know, like I, I went all like, you know, uh, crazy in my, you know, trying to figure out like what, what kind of biscuit this was and like how to get it. And eventually it took me like a day or something. Cause I was like, oh, it's obviously a cream biscuit. It's obviously a drop biscuit. I got it. Um, and they were like, cool, wow, you made the biscuit. Um, so that was really the first recipe that I think that I did that was eventually published. But I did, it was it was a few months before I, I got that opportunity again that was deliberate. That was like, hey, do you want to develop a story or do you want to develop a recipe? And I don't remember what the first one was, but I remember one of my first stories was this like fruit pie story, um, which funny enough, like looking back on it, like the recipes are way too complicated and I was way too fussy. And it was like, I think that I felt like I had to be that way to, mm. to earn, like, I don't know, to like make people want to cook the recipes. And, but like, yeah, I, I, I think that was it. But I, I don't remember what was like the first one before that, but I do remember the first like piece that I wrote, it was on a swizzle stick, like those things you get in your tiki drinks. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, just the most overwrought, like hilarious 82 words you've ever read in your life when I submitted it. And my editor was like, yeah, you don't sound like this. So why don't you uh, rewrite it <laughs> Come back to me when it sounds like something a person would actually say and like, let me know. And I just always really appreciated the brutal honesty because that's the only way that I learn. And so yeah, well, I it was think, really bad. <laughs> I think that's what's so great about dining in is it I mean, I know you personally, but it really does sound like you. And 
you don't sound stuffy or pretentious. You sound like a real person. Um, and it's accessible in a way that is also like you sound like an authority while still being accessible. And that's real. Oh, that's a you. really hard thing to do. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's funny. I was having a conversation with somebody else the other day about like the difference between male cookbook authors and women cookbook authors and you know how like male cookbook authors are so often like this is the only way to do a thing and like yeah. here's the ultimate blah 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 and like women are a lot more like oh i don't know like it's just how i do it you know and so men are viewed as more of an authority mm. than women and so like it's interesting because i you know i also come into that a lot where people are like i was told you're never supposed to add salt when you boil beans or whatever and i'm like i don't know that's just how i do it you know i've never had a problem and so I, I sort of stray from like the I'm an authority perspective, although yeah. I guess that like I, I wouldn't mind it, but it just feels like also this this like very dangerous territory when you when you assume that this is like the way to do something. Right. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. And please support our show and tell them we sent you. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. 
Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. I like that, too, because cooking to me feels like it should be about exploring your own tastes and ideas instead of like a, a following a rigid way of doing something. So giving people permission to try whatever moves them seems really helpful. Yeah. I say this as a person who's terrified of the of cooking. <laughs> are you not a cook? You are um, you are a good cook though, Kate. I've eaten your food. Dory and it's I good. have this battle at least <laughs> once a week on this podcast. I just don't I have a hard time following um recipes like in a linear way and I always screw something up. And it just gives me a lot of anxiety. I I can't put my finger on it, although um I've had there have been some things that have come out okay. Anyway, this does not need to turn into yet another food therapy <laughs> I mean, session. I'm happy, to, well, happy well, to give you my direct line. Yeah, I mean, I like, like honestly, I'm like a part of a lot of hotlines. Please. <laughs> what is your advice for people who are intimidated in the kitchen? Um, to like relax a little bit, to like maybe have a glass of wine and just like chill out a minute, and then realize that re- like not like what like. I, I try to do this a lot and this is <laughs> side note. This is something that I've like talked about with my therapist when I tell him about all my irrational fears. And he's like, <laughs> well, why don't you do this exercise and think about like, what's the worst that could happen? Like literally what is the worst? Yeah. And I'm like, Oh wow. What is the worst thing that could ever happen if I'm doing this? It's like, Oh, like it doesn't turn out. You order a pizza. Like, I don't know. Like that sounds pretty good to me. Like sounds like a cool gamble. Cause at the end of the day, you either have a delicious <laughs> dinner or a pizza. So you know, like I, I think that the idea that things don't have to be perfect and like understanding that in every facet of your life is extremely important, but especially with cooking. And, you know, I, I think that you will surprise yourself if you follow a recipe from someone you trust, because chances are it's going to turn out okay. You know, I've, I've never had anyone email me or DM me and say that I've like ruined their night or that things have mm-hmm. gone off completely off the rails. And if they have, they'll message me back and be like, oh, I forgot to add like a tablespoon of salt or something. You know, I'm like, oh, well, that's why I didn't, you know, but again, like then that's the worst thing that happens and you try it again. Um, But I think that, you know, again, like a good recipe will be forgiving enough to where that like, it's just not, if, if you forget a step or don't have an ingredient or, or something like it should be okay. You know, like at the very least, you're like, oh, this doesn't taste as good as I thought it would. And and I can kind of understand why. Like, I like my food really spicy and this isn't spicy. Or I wonder if it would be good with this leftover yogurt I have. Like, let's try it. Like mm-hmm. to kind of feel a little bit more free to loosen up and, and make it your own rather than be like, eat this thing. And be like, I really wish it had yogurt on it. Like, well, add yogurt. Like, don't punish yourself, you know. But the recipe said no yogurt. yogurt. Yeah, it's like fuck the recipe. You know, I always tell people to listen to me and tell you don't want to listen to me. Like, I I'm just telling you how I cook this thing and how I think it's good. But there are a million ways to make something, and it's so funny with like the stew. People are like, can I use cilantro instead of mint? I'm like, absolutely. It would be delicious with that. You know, like right. do whatever you want. But it's so funny how people feel restricted to a recipe as if it is like the law. And it, you know, there's a, I, that to put mint instead of cilantro was almost an arbitrary decision. Like both would be great. 
I didn't want another ingredient. So I picked one, you know, it's kind of like, well, and then there's some people that are like, can I make that with, with no, without chickpeas? And I'm like, no, (laughs) find another (laughs) stew. (laughs) So I feel like it's within reason, but I, I, I try to, from my personal perspective, like I try to make recipes that feel flexible enough for where that you can kind of take control. Like they're meant as inspiration and, and to be encouraging. I don't want anyone to feel like an idiot for not knowing what an ingredient is or feel like they can't participate in something because they can't find an ingredient or, you know, like it should feel inclusive and it should feel fun. And I think the second that you find yourself feeling freaked out and stressed out and in a bad place about the idea of cooking something, like maybe take up ceramics, like maybe do another activity. Like, you know, you don't have to cook. <laughs> also, I the am other so thing. bad at ceramics. Oh, me too. But, and the reason I can't do ceramics is because I have too much pressure on myself to make something perfect. Totally. Like I took ceramics and I was like, I'm going to make my own line of plateware and like 14 pinch bowls in like the first month of my ceramics lesson. I did not make one single thing that was viable. Like everything I fired broke. It like shrunk in a weird way. It was hideous. Like, or like I'd form it and it would go into the kiln and I'd come back the next week all pumped to see it. And I'm like, what the hell is this trash? Like, why did I ever think this was worth even firing? And like, I just was like, I can't, my, my ego can't handle being so bad at something. And so maybe I just take up ceramics when I have a bit more time and like self-esteem despair because right now it is not it. And like, it is just not the craft for me. And I think that's okay. Some people are like, cooking is just not for me. There's no reason to be like, come on, just try it. Like maybe don't, it's okay. Like maybe in a year you'll come around. I don't know. You've had, you mentioned the stew, which is a very viral recipe that you've had. And I think the other big recipe of yours that's gone like mega viral is the salted butter and chocolate chunk shortbread. I'm curious what it feels like to have something you created in this way become this storm of popularity and sharing and it's featured on the Today Show and everything else. So what what does it feel like, especially in this internet culture that we're in, you know, I feel like with your cookies, like they were on every Instagram that I followed. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not even just that people are including mine, including I was going to say, including, but you guys, you guys did that. And I got more messages like, Oh my God, they're making your cookies. Like my favorite podcast. Oh, that's so cookies. funny. They're so really good. Sweet. I think I did. Yeah. Do, I did them like step by step in our stories. I was like, yeah, now I'm putting like them in the mixer. And then you brought them to my house. <laughs> people love them. There's a lot of crossover. It turned out between people that love your podcast and people that love those cookies. So yeah. for that, I am grateful. Oh, I love that. <laughs> But what is it? What is um, it like when your when your recipes kind of it's take on totally the fucking own? crazy? I I gotta say it is absolutely wild, and I had no idea that either of those things would happen, especially when they did. And I, it sounds so cheesy, but it like really is like such a dream, and it makes me super emotional. And I remember like the mor- the day before I did the Today Show, I went to the studio to do like a rehearsal, and I was standing outside afterwards, and I I was just like, I saw my name through the glass, like where they were filming it or, you know, going to film it the next day. And they had my name up on the screen and I got like super weepy and like really emotional. I was just like, I can't believe that anyone cares enough about this stew to like bring me on television. Like that's insane to me. And because I, you know, none of this was meant to, you know, I didn't make any of these recipes for that intention. Like that wasn't my purpose. I was, I didn't like, having a famous recipe has never been my goal. And the fact that it kind of has taken on a life of its own and in that like 
a lot of people don't know that it's mine. They just know it as the stew or like New York times or like, you know, bon appetit, salt and chunk, blah, 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 shortbread, because that's where it was published. Like, you know what I mean? Like people think it's a recipe that lives on without me almost. Mm. And that's really cool. Um, but just the idea that I, the main goal in every recipe that I write in, in a cookbook or a column or wherever is that people cook it. And I put as much time and care and attention and like thoughtfulness into each recipe. And it's just funny, the ones that are given more value than the others. I'm like, what about this soup? This soup's pretty cool too. Yeah. What <laughs> do you think like, it uh, was? No, we don't care about that. What do you think it was about these two recipes that resonated with people so much? Um, you know, honestly, I think that the two recipes are so different and have such different appeals that I think that I'm not sure that the stew would have taken off without the cookies. I think that Mm. the cookies kind of like set this cool precedent of like, I made a thing that had like this hilariously iconic name that I did not give it by the way, like someone else dubbed it that. Um, and then the stew kind of happened, I think as like, Oh, it's the new cookie or like, Oh, it's the (laughs) stew, you know, like kind of as a joke, but then it really took off. And again, I think it kind of, it, it took on a life of its own. I think the, like when it began, it was definitely because of, you know, me or the cookie. And now I think it's just been shared so many times. And it's like, I don't know. I think that the cookie became popular because it was this riff on something iconic and it was like something different, but extremely familiar. And, um, it just hit at the right time. And, and I, I, I think that, you know, my encouragement of it on social media was really helpful, but I, 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 you know, I don't know how much of its success is because of that. Um, I think the fact that it was published in three major publications that people that cook recipes use as a resource was extremely helpful. Um, the New York times, one Petit, and Smitten kitchen all posted a version of the recipe. Mm. And I think chances are you read one of those three publications for your recipes. And so it was kind of like inundation. Um, and then, you know, same thing with the stew. I mean, it was published and almost immediately became extremely successful. The cookies, the book came out in October 2017. And then the cookies probably didn't become that successful or like reach that peak until February. I want to say January, February. Um, but then kind of continued through the year. It's like a, still a thing that people are making. Yeah. But the stew almost immediately after it was published became like a crazy success. And I think it's because it's, you know, made with pantry ingredients. It's pretty cheap. And I also think that there's nothing about it that you can mess up. I think that even with a recipe like featuring chicken thighs, which people love chicken thighs, people are still like, I can't cook a chicken thigh, you know? But if I'm like, all you have to do is like open a can of chickpeas and like cook it and some stuff, people are like, I can do that. You know, like there's Mm -hmm. no, like, am Mm -hmm. I going to overcook it? Am I going to undercook it? Am I going to burn it? Am I going to die of salmonella? Like, no, like it's, it's vegan. It's, there's no, no risk of poisoning yourself. There's no risk of like completely destroying it or ruining it in any way. Um, I think it's really nice to look at. It's, it's really easy on the eyes. This too. Um, <laughs> Very handsome. <but> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a comforting, warming thing that also feels like healthy-ish. And I think people, especially after Thanksgiving, were ready for that. And, you know, into now. It's raining here in Los Angeles. It feels like a good time for the oh, stew. So cozy. As, you guys, as I'm listening to you okay? talk, I'm like, what night this week can I make the stew <laughs> to coordinate with the rain? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's supposed yeah. to get really bad on Thursday. Well, Thursday night stew night. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when it rains in LA, people just absolutely freak out. My mom will text me and be like, we're lighting a fire tonight. It's raining. I'm like, it's still like 62 degrees. Like, <laughs> oh, I got to Kate's house yesterday and she had a fire going. She also told me 
that if I didn't want to come over because I didn't want to drive in the rain, that was okay. Yeah, I mean, and I God was like, okay. <laughs> we're both from the Northeast. The <laughs> People here don't know how to, the city is not built for rain. It's a very, con- there are mudslide it's warnings true. happening. That is true. It is a real That's thing. That's true. It is true. Anyway, true. we don't need to go deep in the Los Angeles <laughs> insidery talk. Um, Allison, what kind of self-care practices do you have in your life that don't involve cooking and food? Um, well, it's funny because most of them don't really involve cooking anyway. Um, just for the sure virtue of the fact that mostly when I'm cooking, it's for work. Like, mm. especially these mm. days, I just feel totally busy with that. So it's not like a very relaxing thing for me to do. Although I did just take like a four day break from cooking and writing. And I was like, gotta write a page, gotta cook a thing. And it was like really hot to trot about getting in the kitchen again, which is funny. Um, but I'm a huge bath person. I love taking baths. I love taking baths in my mm-hmm. house, in a hotel, I love going to the baths, love a Russian bath, love a Turkish bath, love a Korean bath. Um, I love it all. Like any sort of like a full spa experience that like, I'm not a huge like massage facial person, but I will sit in the sauna all day. I will like go to the Russian banyas and like sweat my face off. Um, I love a dry sauna. I love a wet sauna. (laughs) I love it all. Um, that to me is like the best indulgence. If I really have like had it and I'm like, I need a day that is so high on my list. Um, I love that. I am. What else? I'm actually not that great at taking care of myself, That I feel like it's like my one luxury. Um, other than that, I feel like, uh, gosh, I, I do. I'm a huge manicure person. I love mm. getting a manicure. My nails are painted all the time, constantly. Um, I feel really good about myself when my nails are painted. I don't know why. It's just I I feel different, and I stopped resisting that or apologizing for it, and now I just accept it, and that's me. I love manicures. I feel the same way. So. Yeah, it's just nice. Same thing with like a blowout. Like I've never really learned how to do my own hair. Um, so if I'm feeling like, ugh, I have to go to this thing or I'm just like not feeling myself or I'm just like, nothing is working. I hate all my clothes. If I go get like a blowout somewhere, I feel immediately cuter and feel like I did something just for myself because it's not for anyone else, but it's, it's like a little, um, unnecessary, but something that like I treat myself to. I approve. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Allison. This has been such a pleasure. You guys are you. a pleasure. No, thank you. you. Are a pleasure. I um, was extremely honored that you asked oh, me to be on this because it's such a delight to listen to. So oh, I'm very you. excited. Um, I'm definitely going to make the stew this week. Literally, I can't stop thinking yeah, about when no, it's going to happen this idea. week. Let's, Let's do it. Do Let's another. Do, do it. another step by step. Oh. For oh, sure, yes. And then help me, help me come up with more stew puns because it's been brought to my attention recently that I really did not capitalize <laughs> on the availability of like stew puns or like stew references. Someone was like, "What about that?" Like Carl Weathers from Arrested Development. Like you got yourself a stew going or whatever that that thing. How about maybe too niche? How but. about so stew me? Oh, yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> I literally just—I—I I failed. I failed you all. So please help me. Um, just stew it with a Nike symbol yeah. and inside are just chickpeas. Ooh. Um, there's that one. What did I hear today? Oh, breaking stews. Um, that was a good one. 
Breaking um, news. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do me like the poison song. Do me. Okay. You could rewrite oh, that very sexual that, song. Like, that, do me. Oh yeah. But, no, that. But yeah, the the do me song is also popular. Well, we'll get on. <laughs> that. We'll figure this out. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day. Okay. Bye. Bye. So, Kate. Yes. How is your sleep training going? I feel like it's been going well. We covered this. Yeah. I am rocking it out. You sure are. Who knew this would be my thing? I mean. Definitely not me. But it's great. I'm feeling great. I just have to stick with it because I can also feel the siren call of late nights calling me back. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm I like, do. Should I look at Redfin for two hours right now? No. The answer is no. I should foam roll and go to bed early. Yeah. But uh, it's going really well. I'm going to keep it up this week and I'll check back in. Okay. Dora, you made a commitment to be consistent about dog training. I did. And I haven't been as consistent as I would like. But as I said earlier in the show, I've asked my dog trainer for some help in that regard to give me a little more structure, trying to acknowledge my limitations, be forthright about what I need. And uh, we'll see how that goes. I do feel like us checking in about these intentions every week does help me have it in my brain. I agree. This has been an interesting exercise. Yeah. It's it's also good in terms of the dog training. Like I've had to sort of readjust my expectations sure. vis-a-vis what I'm doing and what Matt's doing. Because you're both very busy We're people. We're both busy, but he is busier than I am and he is just not home as much as I yeah. am. And so I think I had kind of had it in my head that like all the training we do needed to be together and I don't think that's true. So I'm trying to like do some training with him. And that worked this weekend. But I would also like to be more consistent about doing some on my own. Great. And look, if you need a partner, I'm happy to come over and stand in for Matt and help you train your I dog. I mean, we would both love that. <laughs> Me and my best friend, Bo. Our trainer did tell us not to always train him with cheese. <laughs> Were there other food suggestions to use? Well, we could just use like his regular treats. He she does. was like, you don't want him to get sick of cheese. Oh, I was going to say like he gets too in love with cheese. No, more just like he doesn't see it as like he got might it, not see it, it as a high value treat anymore. I understand. Yeah. So I'm like, All right. I, I always like eating it when I give him half of a cheese stick. Then I eat the rest and it's like, I got a treat too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you can still use cheese. Okay. If you thank you for me. myself or yeah. training myself. Maybe I should use cheese in my sleep training. I mean, I'll give myself a cheese reward. What's on the agenda for you this week? Dory? You know, I was thinking about this throughout the episode. I think I'm going to try Google Keep for a week. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do? Use it in place of your notepad? I'm going to use it in place of my notepad. Okay. Okay. I'm going to just, I'm going to just see how it works for me. But like you said, you got to be a little more consistent with it. So I'm really going to try to do it for a week. Give it more than one day. Yeah. Give it seven days. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll check back in next week. I can't we wait sure to hear will. how it goes. What about you? Well, I'm going to re-add the Freedom app Mm. onto my phone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Actually, I think I have it on my phone. It was on my computer. I tried to use it and it was like, sorry, we don't recognize this. And I was like, okay, because the Freedom app blocks websites. Yes. And as we have established, I basically need someone to lock me out of Twitter Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. throw away the key. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Twitter is my social media vice that I can't quit. Mm -hmm. Even though I keep committing to quitting it, then I keep going back. Keep going back because I need that fix of nonstop news opinions. 
nonstop 280 character takes. Oh God, it's like, what is wrong with me? But I feel like I need it. I get it. So I'm, I'm taking more steps to get away from it. Okay. So I don't want to though, because I want it. So it's kind of one of those things, you know, I hear you. you know, if you've tried to quit something. Yeah. Have you ever tried to quit something? Like you were. Yes, I have. Um, I had to quit picking my bikini line. That's a hard one. That's a, but the way I quit it was getting laser hair. So what you're saying is I should laser Twitter off my vagina area. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) In a series of six sessions spread out over a period of six to nine months. months. (laughs) I'm going to look for a group on, but you're saying you, you just got rid of it completely. Yeah. But you solved the problem. I did solve the problem. I mean, that's the ticket is just have to figure it out. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll be here next week talking about it. We sure will. Uh, Friends, you can always leave us a voicemail about anything, Bikini Lines or Twitter, 781-591-0390. And our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcast and join our myriad spinoffs. You are welcome to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about the show. And you can also mention us on social media. We love that. And just a reminder that everything we mention on the show is always on our website, forever35podcast.com. And you can post on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod. Forever35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrier and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio and Lane Hammer is our assistant. Bye. Bye.